Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Absolutely. So um, we alluded to it in our title, but um, you know, when we're talking with uh, with Brandon, I, I wanted to pick his brain in terms of, you know, the 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 coronavirus. Every it's on everybody's mind, and um, you know, people have you know widely differing opinions on that. I was just curious because Brandon, when I when I see something like this come out, like I'm always uh, searching for data, right? Like you can listen to the news all day long, but to me, if you look at the data, you know, that's going to tell the story, right? So, uh, are you like looking at data? How are you taking, um, you know, taking that, uh, the risk into account? And, um, after that, um, with the inevitable, uh, decline of the economy, which has already kind of started to happen, you know, what are you hedging your bets on in terms of investments or, you know, on your, with your Amazon business, things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I've had to revise like our, our growth. We originally going into the year, we were planned on, on, you know, projected to do about 15 million in revenue. And with, with now, like we went back to the drawing board on that, we think we'll be right around 10. So, I mean, you're talking about a significant, you know, 30, 30 to 40% decrease in, in, in top line revenue. Some of our lines are hit, impacted more than others because we have a lot of travel accessories. We have a lot of, uh, we have, you know, a, a percentage of our business is in the travel space. So I think that that's going to be directly impacted for the next six months. Obviously, no one's going to be going anywhere. But it's really frustrating because like, I have these discussions and I'm, for the last month, like, because I saw it firsthand and I, when I was in China and I barely got out. And then I have family there and I have employees there and, you know, multiple provinces. And I can see all the ways that they handled it there. And it's it, like, I knew that the, they stopped it faster and better than anyone else in the world can. If it spreads here, it's not going to be stopped because you have too many people that are in denial and you have um, an, inept, an inept government that, that will, isn't doing testing, that isn't, you know, out there in the front, front lines actually stopping any, they haven't done anything, right? Um, you have people that are looking at snapshots of data and saying, you know, they, they say they like to look at data too. Right. Uh, but obviously they, like you but and I actually, yeah, you and I actually, not, yeah, they're not though. And, and you and I actually looking at data, you have to look at progressions and you have to look at trends and you have to look at, you know, previous performance of where this already impacted. And you can see the, the, what happened. If you look now, like, and you see what happened in Italy and you see what happened in South Korea. And then, you know, you project that to over here and that's with them having a stronger response than we have. Right. And so the only way that this was stopped in China is because they literally shut the entire country down for 30 days and no one left their house for 30 days. It was, you could leave every second or third day with one person from each household could leave their house every second or third day with a government ID. There was armed guards on every street corner. You could walk to them. Uh, they, would, they would escort you to the, to the local grocery store. You could get some groceries for your family and go straight back home. And that was the way it was in the entire country for 30 days. And then they said, okay, now we're going to allow some people to start traveling to go back to work. But they started people working remotely if you could, right, during that time. And now they're, they've got it pretty much under control. The number of new cases is, has been going down rapidly. They have very, very few new cases being, being diagnosed. But now it's to a point where they can just shut down another area if there's a relapse. But the rest of the country can continue to work because travel is still really restricted. They're yeah. going to be the first country that's back up and operating in the world. And we're going to get smashed with this virus. We're going to be worse than, than, than they were ever, because I think that we're not having that type of response here. And 
people like to look at it and say, oh, total number of cases, total number of dead, it's, 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 the flu is worse. And that's the most frustrating talking point that ever happened because like, I, I saw that it's just starting to spread. Like the virus was spread, like the flu is, is, doesn't spread as easily as this virus. And the death rate is 30 to 35 times worse than the flu. So if you just look at the progression, the, the exponential growth of this virus, and you see what's happening in Italy, South Korea, what happened in China, then you'll know that what's happening, what's going to happen here is going to be, you know, catastrophic. And, but people are still not taking it seriously because they feel like the death rate for an average person in their 30s that's in decent shape is less than, you know, half a percent or whatever. But never mind the fact that it's like 20% for anyone that's over 60 that, or anyone with medical conditions. That's what concerns me is I, I agree that we need to, it's, it's fine for people that are going to recover from it, right? Like that yeah. it's, if you're in good health, this is probably not a concern for you, but spreading it to someone that could not survive it, if we don't pay attention and we don't take the right uh, measures to protect, to prevent spreading to people who could not fight it. We look at, we lost over what, I think it was 16,000 deaths from just the flu this year, you know? Yeah. So, you know, in the flu, we know how to treat and we know, you know, unfortunately some of us we, like me got the, the wrong strain of the flu shot. So I got like horribly sick in, anyway, but, but bottom line, I could survive that. Now, those people that got the wrong strain of the flu shot, like I did, that couldn't survive it. Look at how many deaths we had. So I agree with you where, yeah, some people are overreacting, but then in other cases, I think we're underreacting in preventing the spread because we yeah. don't want to be spreading it. To well, it's absolutely devastating. I mean, look what happened in Seattle with that nursing home, right? Like, yeah. It gets into one nursing home where everyone's in their 60s or 70s and older and frail. And it was an yeah. incre oh. incredible amount of deaths. Like the percentage there is insanely high. My mom's in her 70s and I worry for her for her safe safety right now because everyone's still running around and, and doing their own thing. And granted, we only have, you know, we're up to like 10 or 20 cases here in Broward County where she lives. And so that's a lot. That means that there's actually hundreds of cases, if not thousands, because like you walk around for 14 days spreading it before you have it. And it doubles like that, that actual known number doubles every five days. And that's only with tested because we're not testing here in the United States. So if we were actually giving enough tests, it, the real number should be 80 known cases and probably a thousand, you know, so where is it really? How many people in, in South Florida really have it? And we won't know until it's really way too late. We're going to have a large percentage of the population that gets sick here in, in, in South Florida. And we're only a couple, you know, a week or two away from it ballooning because it is an exponential growth every time. And if you look at resolved cases, a lot of people say, oh, the majority of people that get this are going to live. Yeah, of course they will. Like 97% supposedly right now, if you look at deaths and cases, but deaths is a lag because people have to be sick for a period of time before they die. So if you look at new cases arising and it's exponential growth, new cases outweigh resolved cases. If you look at only deaths to resolved cases, the death rate's like 6%. Yeah, I think this is a really tough situation. It's not like we haven't been through, you know, different viruses in the past and we, we haven't kind of been through situations like this. I think, uh, you know, in this case, 
the spreading is is definitely concerning but what do you think brandon if you were if you were responsible for this nation what would you implement as a measure in order to prevent uh, what do you think is the right action for the United States to take? I think any 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 area that has um, I would I would suspend all travel. I would I would take any area that has cases and I would lock it down. I would do a mandatory two to three week vacation, like stay at home. I would do stimulus, massive stimulus plan to make sure people can get afford to get food and 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 um, and, and aren't going to go bankrupt, right? Like I would figure out a way to forgive rent and 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 bills for that month right just literally suspend everything take care of everything for the month it would be a, a, a really expensive thing but it would be the only way to stop it it would be basically what they did in china and, and it would be like a state or an, a region by region thing right now we have northern california we have southern california we have seattle we have uh, cases in north carolina just created we have new york we have new jersey like it's if we had done this originally when as soon as we started to get cases and just said you know what but are you going to stop what is it? 8 million people walking around in, in New York city. Like, are you going to be able to just say, Hey, stop, stop. Don't, don't go anywhere. Stay in your home. How many are going to listen to you? And then entire buildings, um, like it spreads in, in a building because you're sharing the same AC or you're sharing, uh, the toilet system. It can, it can become aerosolized. And when you flush the toilet, it goes to your neighbor. Like this is what happened in China because the, the virus isn't just a heavy droplet virus that sits on a door handle or shake, you shake someone's hand or, whatever, and you, you spread it that way, it can become aerosolized too. So the, the, the virality of it and how quickly it spreads is insane. We're still trying to figure out like average person spreads it to what, like the, what the R, R, R zero is, right? And, and we know it's much, much higher than the flu. So do you yeah, think you if we took those measures to um, lock everything down and prevent all travel, do you think that it would ultimately that that would ultimately solve the problem. Yeah, of course, because then you start to root it out. You need two to three weeks just to see who's really sick. If you stay in your house for two to three weeks and your neighbor gets sick, that means you're not going to get sick, but they, you probably would have, right? Now, if you're in a small town like, and you don't really interact with too many people anyway, then your odds of sharing it aren't that good. But if you're in a, an Aurora area, in a city or in an office building and, and you're going to infect everyone in that office. You're going to infect everyone in that town. Everyone eventually is going to get it. and It's going to spread that much faster. So the more heavily densely populated areas are going to spread it faster. I think that you, you would need to shut everything down in an area. It would be painful. No one would like it. People wouldn't want to be sitting at home for that. But you have air conditioning and Netflix and food and drinks. And like you have a refrigerator and freezer. Like you're going to survive. And you just take a two to three week mandatory vacation at home and to see who's really sick and who isn't. And then you can start getting people to, the, to the, the treatment that they need and stop the spread and start cleaning up. And that, that would probably take a month-long process in any given area. The fact that we haven't done that, though, it's, and we're not going to do that, is, is the problem. I yep. think that um, you're going to end up with millions and millions of people that get this and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people dead. Yeah, Brandon, I think the, the point that, and this is kind of what I've been thinking about a lot too, is, you know, of course, people, this is all of our, our opinion, right? Like none of this is fact. We're not doctors. We're not scientists. I just want to preface that. These, these are our opinions. But, you know, I would like to think that, you know, all of us here are, are good at looking data, good at, at looking at data and, you know, good at doing it. You know, when you run an Amazon business, I know it doesn't seem like it translates, but we are the kind of people who look at trends, look at statistics and um, you know, look at data a lot. So 
you know, <laughs> that's not making us doctors, but you know, it's just our opinion. That being said, I think what Brandon um, alluded to is is the reason why it could get a lot worse here and why I think it got really bad in Italy and things like that. Number one, in a Western culture, it's much harder for us to tell people to do things, right? People are, are, are do not like authority here. They don't like, you know, if the National Guard rolls out um, in states, which it probably will have to, people are going to be uneasy with that. I know I'm going to be already done un- in New York. Yeah, as yeah, of today. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be uneasy about that. But that being said, um, you know, in China, you know, the government there is, you know, of course, it's it's more hard handed. So when they say stay home, people stay home here. That's going to be a lot harder for the government to enforce. And so just that fact alone, I think, is why, um, you know, we probably will have it have it worse here. Now, that being said, all these statistics, all these reporting um, it's not, you, you couldn't even say it's within the margin of error, right? Because we just don't know. It's so early on, but at this point, you know, it might be better for us to err on the side of caution in terms of, you know, uh, you know, working from home, you know, limiting contact with your neighbors, limiting, you know, trying to keep people out of, of large public gatherings, things like that. That's a good start. Uh, you know, people are starting to do that. Uh, but right now it's only in the areas that, that, you know, have gotten the cases and, you know, that might not be enough. It might be where we have to do it everywhere and you know like brandon was saying you know give it a couple weeks to see what actually shakes out because there's so many people out there right now who probably have it who don't even know that they have it now uh, i'm not too worried about it you know um, you know between me and my wife and my kids uh, luckily kids you know don't seem to be highly affected by this but i also have you know parents and my my mom has a lung issue my uh, father-in-law has a lung issue my dad uh you know is a cancer survivor same thing with my mom like they're, you know, they would all be considered pre-existing and the, the statistics for them in their seventies is, is, is pretty horrid. So, um, anyway, <laughs> that's, the, the, we could, we could talk no, about mean, this. And, Andy, you're, you're, you're spot on with that, right? Like all we can do is look at what the progression in those other, those other places, what they did to mitigate it or didn't, and then what we're doing as opposed to what they did and then what the results were. Right. Yeah. And so for us, we're really doing nothing. We're, we're not testing enough people. We're, we're not restricting much of anything. We're, we're canceling some festivals. We're canceling some large events. And, and I think like the response is a little bit too, too little too late at this point, um, unless we start taking some serious measures, which it looks like they are going to with activating the National Guard, mandatory cancellation of large events. But, you know, if, if, if something goes into effect with a quarantine, you're talking about two thirds of the economy is, is hospitality based in the US. We're talking about restaurants and retail shops uh all being shut down for a period of time a lot of them don't have the savings to to sustain that a lot of people are going to go bankrupt a lot of people can potentially go homeless um and it's going to be a devastating downturn for our economy but the alternative is even if it is only two percent which i think is on the low end of deaths right and the majority of that two percent are geriatrics you're talking about 100 million people getting sick, you're talking about 2 million deaths. And, you're, and the majority of those are the older population in our country. And someone said it, well, and, and not to be cold hearted, they were like, well, that would be good for the economy because the old people uh, uh, cost us more. And I'm like, eh, that's yeah, unless a terrible it's, way unless to look it's at their, it. Unless it's their dad or grandfather. Yeah, unless it's their, or... like my mom, my mom, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely like devastated. Like, like it, it would, it, what a terrible thought, right? And then uh, but it, another friend posted that, oh, maybe, maybe the thought is that the government's doing nothing because they just want everyone to hurry up and get it so we can try to recover faster. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that they're that 
next leveling us, but I think it's just ineptitude. I think it's just, they're, they're just terrible at, at, at literally anything. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's God, it's, it's a tough situation. And, you know, I, I, I fall on both sides, you know, on, on one token, um, you know, it might, might not be worse than that, or it might be not be as bad as we're hearing on the news. They like to sensationalize everything. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who likes to, uh, you know, it's better to, to go on the cautionary side of things rather than, you know, be too little too late. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm terrified to have my kids home, you know, my three children home where, where they're in the house for three weeks, especially since we don't watch, uh, we don't let them watch TV or Netflix or things like that. So for us, that's going to be, it's going to be difficult, but, uh, we have, luckily we have an acre so we can go let them play out in the yard. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's going to be hard. And, and, uh, you know, like you said, uh, economy wise, I mean, people, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. I don't think nobody knows, you know, the, the ripple effect that's going to happen from this already. And it sucks because a lot of, a lot to do with the economy is perception, right? And if you hear every day about the stock market collapsing and this virus, like people are in panic mode right now. And, and, um, yeah, absolutely not trying to do that, uh, to you guys. We're on, honestly, it's just, you know, a, a conversation here because to me, you know, I've had these, you know, these, these thoughts and things like that. And I, I'm just really interested in uh, hearing others' opinions on it. Um, so I think, yeah, that, because uh, we don't, we don't want people panicking. We want people being diligent, right. And, and proactive. Yep. And so there, there's, there's a fine line between the two. We're not saying hurry up and go hoard toilet paper. And I think that that's really stupid. I don't know why that's, <laughs> that's what happening. showers are for people. Yeah. <laughs> if, <laughs> get a My bidet. dad and I were talking about that yesterday. And we're like, get like forget the teepee, grab some canned food. You can, you can shower your butt off in the, you can. Yeah. If it know. comes down to it and you run out of toilet paper, you're not going to die. But if you run out of food, exactly. you're probably going to be in a rough exactly. spot. Right? Go for the food and water people. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a fine line between that panic and between uh, being diligent, but we need people to be diligent. And I think that people aren't yet. I, I think yep. people are starting to listen, pay attention. And if you're in an area that's being, things schools are being shut down. Like it's happening in counties all over the country where, where schools are being shut down. I know you're not looking forward to it, but it's probably the best bet because kids are little Petri dishes and they love to just spread things. They, they're the, they're the carriers of this. They, it doesn't have impact them for whatever reason, but they're happy to go share it with everybody. Yeah. All right. Let's get back. Let's get back to Amazon. Virus hugs. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to hear, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about, there's been so many big changes with Amazon, right? There's so this year. And I mean, I would say the end of 2019, we had so many major, major changes. And, you know, Brandon, you said you still think that Amazon is one of the best investments. Um, so I would love to hear your take on uh, what do you think is what is what do you think the future is on Amazon? Obviously, things are getting very crowded with commodity type products, things that are very easy for Chinese manufacturers to come in and compete, um, that kind of thing. There's Amazon going direct to manufacturers saying, hey, list your products here. Um, what do you think is the future of Amazon as far as the landscape is concerned? And how, what is your advice to new people looking in, looking, looking to get into Amazon and how that they can, they can compete in that landscape? Yeah, I, I think that the time of throwing darts and, and using, uh, uh, like just looking at sales of the, the first page of a random keyword and looking at reviews and choosing a product, I think that, that that time's over. So that's why I like a lot of those courses out there that, that teach that methodology for product selection. 
you know, just to name Kevin, David, ASM, KT nine, like all those guys, the success rate of those students is under 10% for that reason, because they're not looking at enough data. And I think that what Andy, you know, is constantly talking about and what we talk about is, is if you, if you're going to succeed in this business, then you need to a be able to understand how to find the keywords that your competitors are getting their sales from and understand the competitive nature. It's supply and demand. If, if, the demand are all the ways people are searching for something. The, de- uh, the supply is how your competitors are meeting that demand. And if they're not doing a good job at it, then you can come in and do it better. And then that's where your opportunity comes in. And the better they're doing at it, then the higher risk you have of doing that product. So you could assign that opportunity and risk score that we like to, to assign the product. And I think that that's where the opportunity is for people to come into this business today is if you learn how to do it correctly from the beginning with data and then you learn how the algorithm is currently working and then you can adapt to any changes that come out in the future, you're going to be way ahead of the majority of sellers. This isn't, first of all, most people that start a business fail and that's, that's across every single on like every single industry. And the reason is because most people are just bad entrepreneurs and they don't, they don't put their head down and focus and they give up too easily and all of those other reasons that entrepreneurs fail. There's no difference here in the, in, in the Amazon. I think a lot of people come into this industry and they expect it to be done for them. They listen to the hype from these, uh, these, these con artists saying it, it's a side hustle gig that you can make millions of dollars working a few hours a week. That's, this is a real business that you're starting. So set up the right, the, by having the right expectations to, to look at the data correctly and then to understand how Amazon's algorithm really works, I think that your success rate is, is, is way above 50% in this, in this business. Like, like for us, launching is like 80% of products that we launch are successful. My students, my student success rate is somewhere around 70%. So I think that, that if, if you just have the budget, the capital, and the time to put into it, and you, and you come in with the right mindset, the right work ethic, then uh, I think that you know, over the course of a few products, you're going to be successful. Yeah, I think all of us have had those first products that um, they're either you even when you use the data, as you mentioned, Brandon, twenty percent of your products are not successful. That's that's okay. That happens. Yeah. We tweak, we move on. You know, there's no way to know who else might be launching something similar at the same time. There's no way to know that the market's suddenly going to turn and do something else. Uh, We can do our best with data. What would you say based on your students um, for the the biggest reasons for failure uh, on your student side of things? And um, what would you, because I'm sure that so many of our listeners right now have had some of those same experiences. And then on that same token, what would you say are some of the, the ways that that can be overcome? Yeah. So, I mean, the common mistakes that I see are just not ordering enough products, right? Like, so running out of inventory, the wrong product selection, like choosing products. So I have students that come in all the time that started maybe with one of those other courses. They chose a few products that are struggling, uh, not understanding truly how to do PPC, not understanding indexing, um, and then the, the most common thing for us is maybe just uh, choosing the wrong style of product or like we try to make it different and it just doesn't resonate. Like our, our, just our, our, um, our conversion rates just lower, right? Like uh, people wanted the striped one. Yeah. Your yeah they wanted the striped one and not the polka dot one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So that's, we learned that lesson last year when we just don't let my wife choose the design. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so her style, her style choices just don't resonate with Americans because she's Chinese, I guess. So um, she finally admitted it. It was hard for her. But uh, I guess uh, we, we just base it on data. We understand that, like, certain colors are going to do better. They have higher click-through rates, conversion rates. And then there's ways to get data and look at your competition and really understand, like, which ones are really doing better than others. Um, and... So all of those things just factor in. I think the most common thing for my students and for what I see other people failing, again, are like they try these methods where they just buy 100 units just to test it. And it's like, what does that do? You, you ruin your honeymoon period. You, uh, you know, you're, you run out of stock before you could effectively actually gain any consistent rank. Now you're building up bad sales history when you're out of stock. So your ranks are going to be much harder to, to regain. Like they don't understand how Amazon works with regards to ranking and averages and, and being consistent and, and, and what metrics Amazon's looking at to decide where your product belongs. And they don't even know how to do the product research to begin with. They're just choosing me to products that don't have a lot of opportunity that are high risk. I think a lot under- of people don't realize that it's, you're, it's a long game. It's not, yeah. it's not a quick, it's not a get rich quick thing. It's a long game and you do have to play the game. It's like starting any business whether you're going into retail, whether you're doing e-commerce, whether you're going to become a plumber, you have to be better than your competitors to survive. And you have to know that business and you have to know your customer. And the better that you do with that, the more likely you are to survive. But you also have to realize, like you said, you know, you have to be in it for the long game. What's going to happen after this order? What's going to happen after this order? And then the other thing that I think I thought you said that was interesting to me was, you know, people are learning still from these old methods that don't work anymore. And how much untraining do you have to do? Andy and I run into that all the time. It's like, we're having to kind of retrain. And it's, it's really hard to get people to just let go of that, right? Because they, they really think, you know, sometimes people just want to follow a formula. It's easier sometimes to follow a formula. And, um, and so it's sometimes hard to, to let go of that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, so for us, it's uh, the optimization side would be another reason that you see failure um, because they don't know how to do that initial keyword research to understand. Okay, so so the top line of that is like when someone uh, searches for a keyword uh, for a certain product through one specific keyword, that it doesn't just impact that one keyword, and people don't understand that part of it. Like that's like the fundamental foundation that you need to understand, which is. I searched for, um, you know, Starbucks cold brew coffee, right? Now I'm going to impact many keywords in two different places. I'm going to impact from that keyword uh, other ranks for this product when I, when, I, when I add it to cart, not just buy it, but when I add it to cart and buy it. And then um, I'm going to impact any keywords that have a broad affiliation, a phrase affiliation, or the exact, the exact and at different percentages. Then I'm also going to impact on the way that I built my listing a bunch of keywords in the in the order that I built them as well. And so once you understand how every keyword impacts every other keyword when it's converted, sold, added to cart, um, then you understand how to truly optimize your listing and how to truly start pulling the right levers for the for the ranking. And I think that most people don't under, have that have that basic uh, understanding of of how keywords work for and how the algorithm impacts, you know, one keyword impacts all the others at what percentages. I think it's that's like that high level knowledge that people need to get to, I think. Yeah, I think just having that really great, it's okay to hire things out, but having that really great foundational knowledge is so important because it affects everything else that you do. 
you know, so understanding the different match types and why they matter and how they matter and that how the algorithm works and how the work that you put in impacts, you know, how, how you impacts your sales and impacts your progression is really important. I love that you're pointing that out and that you're helping people focus on those fundamentals. Um, I got to duck out early, Brandon. I, I really enjoyed having you on the show. We really enjoyed having you on the show. I'm going to let Andy continue to grill you. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> great to see you. Yeah, definitely great to see you too. And uh, hopefully we can catch up sometime when we don't have yeah. coronavirus, event, coronavirus events getting canceled. Yeah. We'll talk we'll to you guys talk soon. soon, I'm Take sure. Care, Take care, bye-bye. Yeah. So Brandon, um, I love all that. Yeah. I always say that like you, you need to look at your Amazon business and, and especially your Amazon listing, right? Like the foundation of your home, right? If you, if you build a crappy listing, that's like building your house on a crappy foundation, right? I mean, everything, 100%. your, your PBC, how your PBC works, uh, is completely tied to how good your listing is. Your organic, your, um, your conversion. I mean, so many, it's so funny because people spend two months, researching a product using jungle scout and then they'll spend like 30 minutes writing the listing they just are lazy as heck they throw the thing up in 30 minutes and then they wonder why they haven't sold anything right i mean to me that's the biggest frustration and people um you know just really uh if if you were studying anything right now if you have a product and it's not working drop everything and just go and and, and learn about how to optimize a listing and and watch brandon's video watch my video get different opinions and perspectives and test it because guess what Brandon doesn't know everything I don't know everything we've just know what we've done so far in our experience and it's worked for us and it's worked for people we know but that you know we might be in a different niche than you and the people who are in your niche are you know into organics and the way that we write a listing we don't show the passion of like the organic part of that you know like it, you know all these listings have secret sauce as well so the thing you can do is really get to know, um, you know, how to build that listing yourself, because if you try to farm it out, nobody's ever going to have that depth of knowledge that you do on your market, especially if it's something you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, that's the real art behind it is taking, uh, the, the science, like the, the data science that we do and then making it, uh, then resonating with the audience that's buying, like you still have to write it into something good. It's not like your bullets are just a, a list of keywords it's it's resonating that message that's going to help convert and 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 creating a better listing yeah and uh that's that's the bottom line that i see with a lot of people is like they might have a really nice main image um and there's a lot you can do to optimize your main images and your images that i see like a lot of people come come with but then their their listing is just missing so many keywords and so what ends up happening is relevancy is such an important factor for amazon um to determine where you belong and how your PPC performs. So the the to determine like you get a quality score for your listing per keyword. You get a PPC at a PPC level. You get a quality score at a campaign level, at an ad group level, and at a keyword level. So you have you have all these quality scores, and then the quality score the factors are click through rate, conversion rate, and uh, relevancy. Right. Like so, we know that those are the factors that make up a quality score, and relevancy is like the one of the biggest pieces of that. Um, and if you confuse Amazon because you didn't write your listing well, or because you're just missing important keywords that you didn't know how to find in the first place, uh, then you're going to end up in a situation where you're never going to be able to rank effectively for a lot of really relevant keywords and, uh, and your PPC is going to underperform. Yeah, Brendan, that's a, a great point. I know that, 
you know, within the last, uh, you know, probably two or three years ago is when is, is when Amazon kind of made a shift to the, to a relevancy algorithm. Before that, it was how many keywords you could stuff in the listing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when it was like, you know, the phrase matching didn't really matter. It was just like you would stuff every keyword you could. Those days yeah. are gone. Unfortunately, so many people, because that way of optimizing listings was taught for so many years, there's so many people who are still doing that. And I still yeah. have to like crowbar it into their mind that like, no, you need to start putting important phrases, not just keywords into your exactly. listing. And, and exact matters. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and not go too wide. Right. If you try to like, put, you know, if you're, if you were doing, um, you know, this, this, uh, you know, Chromecast, right. But if you put in here, like, you know, you know, project your, your, um, your office screen and, and, you know, project your phone, you know, all these other things rather than, Hey, this is a media device to watch movies and TV, right? Like go with what, you know, maybe the top two or three themes of what that product is for and really concentrate and go deep on that. Because if you try to go too wide, that's when Amazon goes, well, wait a minute, what is this? You know, <laughs> what is this thing? Like, Oh, he's selling you... a, he's selling an office projector. Okay. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I think so many people miss that point. Um, you know, in this day and age, when it comes to Amazon, you know, th that's the most important factor. So uh, when you guys are doing those listings, make sure that, that you're thinking about that um, along the way. All right, Brandon. Absolutely. Well, we, we, we went past an hour. We did it. Um, is there, is there anything else you want to, you want to cover? Um, and on that note, the few things that I love to ask, which is kind of off the cuff, but, but, you know, I just, I love to hear what people are, 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 um, you know, listening to and reading and things like that, because I get good ideas from it. Right. Like my latest one is the one thing, right. Because I have that entrepreneurial brain that's so scattered. Um, that book is really, um, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. I actually saw, saw him speak at capitalism, uh, conference. And, uh, I, while he was speaking, um, remind me, uh, the author's name. Um, uh, I can't, I can't remember, uh, what's yeah. my book. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I so while, while he was speaking, I'm sitting there and I'm like thinking to myself, I need to fire, like I'm, I'm such a terrible manager, right? I knew I was a bad manager, but while he's sitting there speaking, I thought to myself, I, uh, I, I'm so much worse than I thought I was. Right. And so my wife always tells me I'm, I'm I, like, ha helps me point out my weaknesses. And I really appreciate that but about her because, you know, it's not done in a, in a malicious way. It's done in a, in a check yourself way because you, you have room to improve and, and it helps me improve. But I was sitting there and I'm, I, I just couldn't believe the impact that his story and what he teaches in the one thing. So I did end up buying that book and I thought it was absolutely helped me stay focused uh, throughout the day. And I, I find myself, I need to go back to that occasionally. And I think I need to go back to it now because yesterday I was so unproductive because I had 20 things I wanted to get done and then none of them got done. Like only two of them got done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I'm, I think I'm, you know, I'm a pretty quick reader. So I started yesterday, I'm more than halfway through. Um, it, it, I only read like, you know, an hour or whatever, but already so far, I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to have to, like you said, go back to this book, reread it multiple times, just because I know that um, if I start doing those things, you know, that, that it's going to make a big impact. And so if you guys haven't read that yet, um, definitely. But uh, like I tell everybody, the first book to start with, if you haven't yet is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that should be like your, you know, your kindergarten reading before you, you graduate to first grade in terms of, of reading, that should be, you know, the, the first book out the door. Um, or Rich's Man in Babylon is another one. Any other um, kind of books or podcasts, you know, people, things you follow that you felt have made a really big, big impact um, on your entrepreneurial journey? So I, I subscribe to Blinkist and um, I know that it's not always the most detailed version of a book and it's just they really condense uh, the message. Uh, and if it's something really good, I'll try to get the actual full book. 
but um, I, I followed, um, if you guys don't know what Blinkist is, it's an app and it's just basically someone summarizing the Cliff's Notes. Yeah, of, it's Cliff of, Notes, Cliff Notes of business and, and, well, they have all kinds of books. It's not just- Yeah, they have everything books, now. It's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's great. Like if you're standing in line somewhere or something, that's when I always like to whip that out. Anytime I'm driving or whatever, yeah, I just love to just turn it on, and, and and it's great because usually if I'm if I'm commuting from where I am in Miami to Broward, where my what like my other office is, then um or where my mom is, then I'll uh I'll be able to get through almost an entire book because it's like 20 minutes per book. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so scaling up was really good. I'm just looking through, and I'm gonna see uh, traction from Gino Wickman was good, and um. The life-changing ma- magic of not giving a fuck. <laughs> was- <laughs> yeah, I, I I read the short version of that too, and yeah, I like that too. Uh, lots lots of great suggestions there. Fantastic. All right, Brandon. So tell people where they can find you. Um, let them know what you're up to in terms of uh, you know your your course, your your coaching. You know any anything you want to plug here. Now is the time. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Well, I've got a free course on Amazon. Uh, it's uh, four sections. It covers. Um, everything from product discovery, optimization that we spoke about, uh, sourcing, and then, uh, and then launches. And then I've got a masterclass specifically on just product research, how we do our data analysis. It's five hours long. That's normally $200 for anyone listening. Just use uh, the, the promo code BY50 off and it'll save you a hundred bucks. So for under a hundred bucks, you get five hours. And then um, I've got an inner circle uh, mastermind, which is more of a college level course. I'm live every week. Ask me anything. I do live classes every two to three weeks. I'm always updating the content. We have about 500 students in there and um, it's a great community. It's just like, uh, you know, over 75 of us are doing over seven figures. Um, we help each other out. And yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's pretty much what I got. And, and I can set up a discount code for you, Andy, for, for your listeners, if you'd like. Yeah, sure. We can, we can put that in the show notes when we, when we publish. So, uh, great. Thank okay. you so much, Brandon. Um, oh, and really, uh, really... yeah, sorry. So the website, just to check oh, it out, yep. it's seller-systems.com. Perfect. All right, all right, guys, go there, check it out and, uh, you know, give Brandon a shout. Appreciate um, it, you man. can also find him on all the social channels and bug him there. Um, you know, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be, uh, slinging his, his coronavirus, uh, data <laughs> on there you can check that out and i hope uh, i'm wrong get... man i hope i hope i hope oh, this thing so just, uh, the, the weather gets warm and it disappears like the, oh, so, like the so do i believe me yeah i agree yeah. but you know nothing nothing wrong with being prepared um you know so i i definitely Either agree way. with that hey guys if you haven't yet uh rated reviewed and subscribed to the podcast uh we really really appreciate you guys doing that uh, we mentioned our latest review was a was a, a, a two star and <laughs> we don't mind getting poor reviews because we like getting feedback. The review we don't agree with in terms of, they said we're giving, we're giving bad advice in terms of terms of service. But that being said, I appreciate that feedback because I want to know what you guys are thinking. Um, in terms of terms of service, that's a rough one. You know, I mean, that's ever changing. That's a living document. People have different opinions on that. But you know, we, we give you guys the information. And when we do talk about something that uh, we think might be iffy on the T- the TOS. We always kind of mention that. So just keep that in, in mind um, for everybody, everybody who's listening. Um, but once again, we really, really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, getting the word out. The podcast has been growing month over month by thousands of listeners. Uh, so we really, really appreciate that guys. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you so much again to Brandon for being here and, and uh, giving all, all that great knowledge that he gives. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for joining us on Seller Roundtable. 
Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.